Thank you guys, thank you guys. Well, hey, welcome to church. You guys alive and awake today? Did you survive the rain? I see all you ladies, your hair looks nice. You look good, just if no one's told you, you look nice. You look good. Well, hey, we're gonna go ahead and turn to Luke chapter seven today. If you've got your Bible with you, if you've got your phone with you, you can swipe on your phone, you can open your Bible if you have a, an actual Bible. And uh, I just wanna start by just shouting out our pastor. I just love him so much. And it is, I don't ever, ever, ever wanna take this platform without just showing him immense honor because he has changed my life. Like, I hope you guys know that our pastor has invested in me. He's changed my life. He showed me what it looks like to lead a family, that family's more important than ministry. He showed me not to sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry, to be healthy. And I just want you to know that you are under the care of the healthiest leader I've ever known. Like, so can we just give him a round of applause? So we just, I love Pastor Tim. I love him. And so Pastor Tim, if you're watching right now, I love you and you probably need to put some clothes on. So, love you so much. Uh, for those of, uh, that are watching online, we just wanna welcome you. Can we do that as well? Can we welcome those watching online? Um, and the thing that I love about our God is that he doesn't just wait, hang out here and wait for us to meet on Sundays. Like, he's with us in our daily lives. He's with everybody watching online right now, regardless of where they are, and that's just the God that we serve. Like, he's involved in the minutia, the things that we think, this is too small for God to care about. No, it's not. He loves us that much, and he's in all the details. And so we're gonna read Luke chapter seven, starting in verse 36 today. And I was, we're just gonna work through a story today. Is that okay? Can we just work through a story in the Bible? And so we're gonna start in verse 36, and I'm just gonna read, and you guys can just follow along. And so it says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman this she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for today. 
We thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence. And God, we just invite your spirit into every heart, into every life right now. Father, as the word comes, I pray that it would come in power. I pray that it would come in anointing and that you would speak and do things that I can't do in my flesh. Father, I pray that you would inhabit the praises of your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen, amen. Well, like, like Pastor Tim said, I am your student pastor here at High Ridge Church. And I just want to let you know, in case you didn't know, that you've got some of the best students in the world. Like, we went to camp this past week, and I took 40 students with, with me. I had seven other leaders who were the real MVPs. Like, come on. And, who were the real MVPs. And they encountered God at camp this week. Like, like, I just want to just stop for just a second. This has nothing to do with the rest of the message. But don't ever discredit an encounter with God. In the highest of highs, when everything is good and God speaks, or when you are in the pit, don't ever discredit what God can do in a single moment. And that's the God that we serve. Like, he's with us every day, and he walks through life with us, and he walks through the dry seasons with us, but he can encounter you just the same. And, and I have a thousand stories that I could tell from camp, but the one thing that I just want to just kind of celebrate is we had 13 of our students get called into vocational ministry while at camp. Can we, can we, can we cheer, that, cheer about that? Like called to be youth pastors, called to be children's pastors, called to be women's pastors. Like they heard the call of God on their life. And again, don't discredit what God can do in a moment. And so um, I, I'm Pastor Zach. I have my beautiful wife, Taylor, with me today, and she has sacrificed over and above and beyond. Like this week, she had to wrangle three kids all by herself, no help, and deal with all the spiritual warfare that comes with me being gone and, and, and praying and interceding on our behalf. And like, I just want to honor you. Like, I just love you so much. So thank you. And so she's raising three crazy kids, like... I just, I love being their dad. I love seeing them develop and I love seeing them becoming more and more who God's called them to be. They're still very young. We're still praying very heavily for Heidi. <laughs> Y'all pray for Heidi. But, but I believe in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, it's gonna happen. So, um, but today I, I wanna encourage you. That's my goal today. I wanna encourage you and I wanna strengthen you. And, and I'm just gonna be honest with you up front. I'm gonna convict you and challenge you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about some stuff that may step on your toes, but I'm not gonna leave you there. You're gonna leave encouraged and strengthened today. And I heard something a while back, and it was about communicators. It was about preachers or speakers. And it said this, and it said, when, when a, good, a good preacher and a good teacher, when you lit, sit under their teaching, you won't leave feeling, being more in love with yourself. You'll, you'll leave being more in love with Jesus. And that's my goal today, is that as we dive into the character of who Jesus is, that you would just fall more in love with Jesus. Because as, as, that, as you fall in love with Jesus, that's like the cure-all. Like that's like every problem that you have, almost every problem that you have, like falling more in love with Jesus and who he is, like things just start to work themselves out. Like this, I found this time and time again, like when I get frustrated, I just need to fall more in love with Jesus. Like when I'm depressed, I just need to fall more in love with Jesus. When I'm aggravated or I'm angry, like I just need to fall more in love with Jesus. Like, and, and I, wanna, I wanna bring a, a message to you today titled, Which Character Are You? Which Character Are You? So, how many of you guys have Facebook? You can, you can raise your hand. The, God won't strike you down if you raise your hand in church. You can raise your hand. Well, how many of you have like an Aunt Sally on Facebook that's like 85, which we love Aunt Sally. 
We love Aunt Sally, that's 85 on Facebook. And, and you find that Aunt Sally like takes all the quizzes on Facebook. Have y'all, have y'all noticed this? Like, like, like which Marvel character are you? Like Aunt Sally found out that she's like, she's, she's Iron Man, right? Like Aunt Sally's like, which Disney princess are you? Well, she, she's Snow White. Like she proudly is like, well, hot dog, I'm, I'm Snow White. Like posting her results. Like, like she loves taking these quizzes on Facebook. Well, we're gonna kind of take a quiz today. We're gonna, we're gonna take a quiz and we're gonna find out which character we are in this story. And so uh, I wanna read again just, just briefly verses 36 to 38, and it says this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So let's talk about our first character today, and that is the one in need of grace. The character that's in need of grace so the Bible doesn't tell us much about this woman. Doesn't tell us anything other than that she's a sinful woman. Doesn't tell us any context of exactly what she's done and all those details. Doesn't tell us exactly how she found out about Jesus. Um, it doesn't even tell us like what she was feeling necessarily as she came into the courtyard or the house of this Pharisee. But I think we can come up with a pretty decent idea of what's going on. And so generally speaking, when the Bible refers to somebody as being sinful, especially women, it was talking about that she was an adulteress. She, she lived a promiscuous life. She'd made tons of mistakes, and what had happened was this became her identity. This became how she was known in the community. This was who she was. She had, everywhere she went, there was a big giant label on her forehead that said, I'm a sinful woman. I make mistakes, I've made bad decisions, and I'm continuing to do so. There's, and so she was an outcast in society, she was the lowest of the low. And out of everybody that judged her, nobody judged her quite as hard as the Pharisees. The Pharisees really gave her a hard time. And so I just, for, for a minute, I just want us to put ourselves in the shoes of this woman. She heard about Jesus. And I don't know if she had encountered Jesus earlier and she had seen Jesus. I don't know if she had heard about him in passing. But whatever it was that drew her into the place that would, that would condemn her the most there had to be something worth it, right? Like she saw something in Jesus that said, it is worth it for me to go face more ridicule than anywhere else to go be with Jesus. And so, so this is like, why would this woman pour her heart out to Jesus in such a dramatic, distracting, and extreme way? Like, for real, you're walking up in, in, in somebody's house, you're weeping profusely, you're crying all over his feet, wiping them with, with your hair, kissing his dirty feet. This is weird. Like this is, can we just call it what it is? Like, like if you saw someone in the church doing this right now, you'd be like, every single one of us would be like, that's not socially acceptable. That is not okay. Like, like we would have thoughts about what was going on, right? Like, like, but she went all out for Jesus. So Why? Because she was fully aware of her sin and she knew that he offered a hope that nobody else did. She was fully aware of the label that was on her forehead. She was fully aware of her sinful lifestyle. She was fully aware, aware of the judgment and the condemnation that she felt by every other member of society. And that's where we come in. Many of you today are here for the first time. 
Perhaps your friend invited you to church, you came with a friend. Maybe you're here and you're here totally by yourself. You decided you just wanted to check it out. For those of you watching online, maybe you ran across this and thought you might just tune in. You might check it out, see what, see what it's about. Uh, and as we dive into this story, I wanna challenge you to look at your own life. Like this is gonna be a very introspective day, and if, if, in, just in case you need to know. And so it, it, is it clear that you need God's grace? Like, there's, there's people in this room that, that, if you were to be honest, you're worn out from your past. Your broken marriages, your bad decisions, like, you're worn out and you're exhausted. But this is the Jesus that we serve. And he says this in Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to know today, my friend, that you are in the right place if this is you. That you are in the right place. That if there was one thing that we want High Ridge Church to be, it to be a safe haven for you. It to be a place to where you can come in and you can actually meet with Jesus. Like, it doesn't matter if you made the biggest mistake of your life last night, today, you can come and be with Jesus. Like, and I refuse to be a stumbling block to keep you from it. Like, and, and I pray and I, I believe that as a, as a whole, as, as the church, that that's not who we are either. Like that we accept you exactly as you come. Like I need you to know that. Like you don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. Like you can be the biggest mess that you've ever been and it's the perfect time to come to Jesus. Because he does the work. He does the work. We just need to submit. We just need to say, Jesus, I don't know what else to do. Like, I don't know what else to change. I don't know what to fix. Here I am. But the beautiful thing is he makes beautiful things out of dirt, right? He makes, if we'll just put ourselves on the, on, the, on the potter's wheel, he does the work. No matter what you've done, you're welcome here. I want you to know that. It says, after this woman made this big commotion... In verse 39, the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And that brings us to our second character in the story, and that is the one offended by grace. The one offended by grace. Can I step on your toes for a sec? I wanna talk about this Pharisee for a second. He'd been studying scripture his whole life. He devoted himself to the things of God. He knew by memory the first five books of the Bible. Like he, he had spent his entire life dedicated his whole life to God. Like he'd been following all the rules. He knew every, every law. He, he knew everything that there was to know about Jesus. He knew it. Like he, he, he had read in detail like the prophecies about the coming Messiah like he, he knew, like he, he devoted himself to it. This man had everything together looking from the outside in. He walked around, he was a well-respected member of the community. Like he, he dressed nice, he, he, he had it all together and that's partially why he was so frustrated by the situation. He had invited Jesus over to eat and this woman was totally blowing up his lunch plans. I want you to think, 
for just one second, you, you, you meet somebody today at church. You say, hey, come over to my house. I want to get to know you a little bit better. Somebody comes over to your house. You say, hey, you greet them. You, start, you sit down, you start eating, and a, and a stranger knocks on your door, comes in and starts weeping profusely. This is weird and distracting. Like, I think sometimes, I think sometimes we read scripture and like, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, when you stop for a second, put yourself in it, this is bizarre, this is weird, this is distracting, this is offendable. You blew up my plans. I'm not, I'm not cool with that. And so that's where we come in, church. That's where we come in. So for many of us, you know a lot of scripture. You attend church regularly, you have lived your life right, or you've tried You've made it a priority to do the right thing again and again in your life. But let me ask you this. Are you offended by grace? Since you can't clearly see how you've been in need of it, when you see people who are, what is your response? Through what lens do you see people that desperately need the grace of God? And I love it that it says he thought if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus then addresses his thoughts. Dang it, dang it. Like, he does it to me all the time, right? He does it to you, you know. Like, Jesus knows everything, y'all. Like, he knows every intimate detail of our thoughts and our lives. Jesus immediately addresses this, and he tells the story of the man forgiven much and the man forgiven little. The two that owed different debts, but they were both forgiven. And then he says this, He says, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. I want y'all to remember this, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And maybe we're at the place where we need to bring into full view all that we've been forgiven of. Maybe we need to bring into full view all that we've been forgiven of. Maybe we need to remember when we were at the same place that that friend of ours is and God had grace for us, right? Maybe we need to remember when we were a kid and we didn't know how to listen and we're learning the grace that God gave us, right? Maybe we need to bring into full view all that we've been forgiven. And so I wanna just stop and I wanna give you some cultural context for this situation. So Jesus points out and he says, listen, when I came into your house, you didn't give me any water for my feet. Like, you didn't greet me with a kiss. You didn't give me an, an, an anointing oil over my head. This was a common thing that you did for people that entered your home. This was not things that you did for the high class. This was common for anybody. So Jesus So this Pharisee invites Jesus over, the one that he had been studying about for years, was standing right in front of his face and he missed it. And I believe that he intentionally dishonored him. I think he intentionally didn't give him water for his feet. I think he intentionally didn't greet him with a kiss. I think he intentionally didn't anoint him because he was trying to make a point. If you you know anything about the Bible, you know that Jesus and the Pharisees butted heads a lot, right? They didn't, they didn't really get along. And I think that the Pharisee was trying to make a point, but I think sometimes we do the same thing. I think sometimes we miss it. We miss 
we, 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 we come and what happens is we get so caught up in the routine of our Christian lifestyle that we stop honoring the Jesus that died on a cross for us, that we stop really like preparing a place for him in our lives. So how is it that sometimes those of us that have committed our lives to our faith sometimes bring the least honor to the one we've devoted ourselves to? And I wanna remind you just for a second that he had way more head knowledge than the sinful woman. He had way more head knowledge than the sinful woman. How is it that we study scripture, we pray, we worship, we attend groups, yet we still gossip about people that are struggling and in need of grace? Here's some advice for, for you. Don't talk about them, pray for them. Don't talk about them, pray for them. Don't talk about them, pray for them. The Bible tells me that the prayers of a righteous person availeth much, availeth much. That means that your prayers go up to heaven. Your gossip does not. Your gossip does not. Your prayers go up to heaven. And, 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 and I love this, because we'll twist this. Well, I'm just telling my friend about it so she can pray. No, you're not. You're telling her so that you can gossip holy. You can have holy gossip. That's, that doesn't work either, okay? So pray for them. This Pharisee was offended by this woman approaching Jesus and approached Jesus and approaching Jesus in the way that she did. But was Jesus offended? He wasn't. He wasn't offended. And many of us have taken on the salvation that Jesus offers, but we have never allowed God to give us the mind of Christ. We've, he's, we've never allowed him to really transform the way that we see the world. We've never allowed him to transform the way that we see people. Like, let me just be honest. If, if, if you've let Jesus give you the mind of Christ, you'll start loving people. Like, you'll see people and see the potential in people the way that Jesus sees the potential in people and not point out all their, their, their faults and their wrongdoings. You'll see the best in people. And one of our greatest needs as Christians is to quit thinking like ourselves and start thinking like Jesus. And one of the funniest things about this situation is that in the Pharisee being a complete and total turd in this moment, he also demonstrated his desperate need for grace. Right? Like he, he, he displayed how desperately he also needed it. And so real quick, do you know what, the, what some of the best tests are for if you have the mind of Christ? What passes through your mind as you're driving down the road by yourself and somebody cuts you off? <laughs> like, not even what you say out loud, like what, what happens in your mind? <laughs> right? Like, what, what passes through your mind? Like, what about when your kid's back talking from the other room? <sighs> Come here, please. Come here, please. Come here, please, and then, then it escalates, y'all know. I'm not even gonna demonstrate this. My, my kids could probably show you, okay? What about when your, your boss asks you to do something that you know is totally unreasonable? Like, what passes through your mind? I want us to start asking ourselves, am I thinking with the mind of Christ? Am I thinking with the mind of Christ? And, and I wanna challenge us Christians to pray this prayer, and this is John the Baptist in John 3.30, he said this, he said, John said, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And when you look at the context of the, what, what was going on when he said this, John was John the Baptist. He baptized people. That was like what he did. Well, then Jesus comes along, and Jesus starts baptizing people, and everybody that's hanging out with John the Baptist starts going to hanging out with Jesus. And all of John the Baptist's followers are like, what the heck? Like, who's this Jesus dude? Like, like, this is your job, this is your title. Like, 
Jesus isn't Jesus the baptizer. You're John the Baptist. You're the baptizer. And he's like, I'm just, I'm here to prepare a way. Like, I'm just here to prepare a way for him. Like, like I, I need to become less and less. And, and he needs to become greater and greater. And I could build an entire message strictly around the mind and the heart of this Pharisee and how we can become a church full of modern day Pharisees if we're not careful. We can. We've all been there at times. But we have to guard our hearts. We must always remain in, in, as the church as an open door for those that are trying to find Jesus. Like I, like I said earlier, I am not gonna be a stumbling block for those that need Jesus. Like that is the last thing that I need to be. That's the last thing you as a Christian, as a follower of God need to be is a place that people can't come because of our condemnation and a place people can't come because of our judgments and a place that people can't come in all their sin and their, their mistakes and their failures because you've got it all together. We need to be in constant view of God's mercy on our life. And that brings me to my third character in this story and that is the one extending grace. The one extending grace. And this is Jesus. It says in verse 48 through 50, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, now go in peace. Now, I don't have the authority to forgive sins and I would never try to put myself on the same plane level as Jesus. However, we're the bride of Christ. We are an extension of who he is. And so we can be givers of grace. So I want you to put yourself in Jesus' sandals for just a second. He has had nothing but a hard time from the Pharisees. Like, since he started doing ministry, his, his one big thing that he continually runs into are the Pharisees. They're constantly mad at him because he's healing people on the Sabbath, doing things, and, and uh, you know, accusing him of doing it through demonic means, accusing, you know, they're, he's just, they're a constant thorn in his side, and one of them asks him to come over for lunch. Okay, like your arch nemesis asking you to come over for lunch. Oh, thanks so much, yeah. I actually, you know, I think I have plans. Um, you know, let me check my calendar and I'll, I'll see. When you're just like, absolutely not. Like in your brain, you're just like, are you insane? Why would I ever wanna eat lunch with you, right? Well, if I'm Jesus, that's what I'm thinking. But Jesus, being Jesus, says, yeah, I'll come to lunch. And it says that there are other guests at this lunch. We know that Pharisees don't hang out with anybody other than Pharisees. And so there's a room full of Pharisees and he's literally walking into a hornet's nest of guys that are trying to trap him in his words, trying to plot against him, trying to get him to say something or do something they can use against him later on. And, and, and he goes to lunch anyway. And this woman comes in acting like a complete and total hot mess and he loves on her and forgives her of all of her sins in this meeting all the while trying to teach a lesson, trying to display his character to these Pharisees. And I just love that about, I love that about Jesus because, because even in moments that I would have ran away from, shied away from, he, he embraces it. Like, sometimes people come to me with, with stuff in their life as a, as a pastor that I'm like, I don't know what to do on that. Like, like if I can I just be transparent for a second? Like, that is way too complex for me. Like that is like that sounds like you just you're just messed up. Like ah, you know, from my spiritual knowledge, you're really messed up. That's just what I have for you. No, like, but I feel that sometimes, and that. But Jesus is not afraid of your screwed up life. 
Like Jesus is not afraid of, of your hypocrisy. Jesus is not afraid of the good, the bad, the ugly. Like he leans into the very things that we would run away from. And so I just wanna encourage you that your God, that's who he is. And so you don't have to be afraid to bring him all your junk. And so, but in all of this, he extends grace to the sinner and he extends grace to the self-righteous. How many of us have somebody in our life that's self-righteous? You can raise your hand like this high so they don't see you, <laughs> right? And so the Pharisee totally neglected Jesus and dishonored him, but he took it and he made a lesson out of it. So I wanna, I wanna spend just a moment, I wanna talk about you and your family, if I can. I wanna talk about your family. I wanna talk about your husband, your wife, your ex-husband, your ex-wife, your kids, your parents. How many times have you won the argument but lost the person? How many times? You were so bent on winning the battle that you lost the war. How many times have you made it very clear how I stand about the decisions that you're making, young man, but lost the person? How many times have we lost the person? What would your relationship with your friends and your family look like if you were known as a giver of grace? Like that was your reputation that you led with love. And, and now I can hear all, I can hear all the, the parents in the place right now saying, you're telling me to let them off the hook and I will never let them off the hook, Zach. They're never getting off the hook. They know what they did. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. I taught them better than that. I raised them better than that. They know better than that. Listen to me. Jesus didn't let anybody off the hook either. Like we have to remember how Jesus did ministry. Jesus did this. He didn't call people out. He developed relationships and trust and then he called people higher. He called people higher. If you love first, if you put change on the table with people, then you will, you will, you will make a, a place for you. You will give yourself room to encourage, to correct, to nudge in the right direction. But so many times, we're so bent on being right and proving them wrong, so bent on proving our point that we lose the person. We have to remember this is a lifelong thing. This is not a moment thing. This is a lifelong thing. So who here loves justice? Like you love seeing justice served. Like I love justice. Taylor, Taylor, one of Taylor's qualities is she is a lover of justice. She loves justice. And we want people to be treated fairly and the good people to get good things, the bad people to get bad things. And they deserve it. And we find ourselves talking about situations of like where justice needs to be served, right? And then we finally realized one day that like we had no control over it. Like we had no control over it. Like it's not our jobs. So like what would it look like if Hired Church and all of its members were known as givers of grace? What if you were a giver of grace that no matter what somebody had been through and what decisions they had made, they were genuinely accepted into this body of Christ? Well, Zach, that's really messy. Like if you're letting people in here that are sinners, like what kind of reputation is our church gonna get when they go out and they're partying again after they come to church? Why are we worried about that? Why is it your place to worry about that? I think you need to spend that time loving on them. I think you need to spend that time texting them and checking in and seeing how they're doing and asking how you can be praying for them, right? And so, and, and, and this is what I love, is what, what if your family was known as like a sanctuary to your friends? Like, I know that no matter what I walk through, that this family, I can go cry at their table. 
Like I can go be with them and, they, and, and we can talk through it and we can work through it and that they're not gonna judge me but, but, they, but they're gonna hold me high, to a higher standard. And, and I think about being a giver of grace and like as I was writing this message, I couldn't help but think of like, as you're a giver of grace, like your Thanksgiving table just being filled with people that didn't have anywhere else to go. Like your Thanksgiving table being filled with orphans and widows and your Thanksgiving table being filled with the homeless and the rejected and the least of these. Like how, how would it look if your family was known as being givers of grace? I just wanna go ahead and wrap up today. So there's three characters that we studied. Number one is the one in need of grace and fully aware of it. The one that's fully aware of their, of, of their desperate need for God's grace. The second one is the one that was offended by grace. But here's the kicker, who actually also needs a lot of grace. Right? And then the one giving grace. The one giving grace. I think sometimes we, we spend a lot of time justifying why we, we just don't need to involve ourselves in situations. Like, you know, the old adage, like if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Well, I think that we, I wanna extend on that a little bit. If you can't say anything nice, ask God for what he would say and say that instead. Like sometimes we just remove ourselves from situations entirely and God's calling you to give grace and to be a safe place for people that are walking through life. And so how do you wanna be remembered? Like what do, you, what do you want your reputation to be? Because when we look at these three characters, they're all defined by something and they're remembered. As we, as we think about this, they're remembered by something and one is remembered by just her, her humility and her hunger. Like she was willing to go to the deepest depths to meet with Jesus. Like she was, she was humble, she was broken. That's literally the best place you could be. Like, she's remembered by her humility. The second one is remembered, unfortunately, by his arrogance. Like, if I needed something from the Lord, I'm not gonna go to him. Like, that's how he's remembered. And then the last one, Jesus, he's remembered by his great love, his love. So let us always be fully aware of our desperate need of God's grace let us also always be prepared to extend grace to those who need it. So on a practical level, on a very practical level, how do I become an extender or a giver of grace? Here's three quick practical, practical ways. If the keys wanna go ahead and come up, you can. Number one is this, is ask God to show you how much you've been forgiven. We forget, we forget, we forget. I forget the details of the worst places in my life. I forget the details. I forget how desperately I needed grace. And I may be a pastor, and we have a, we have a home and a family that we try our very best to, to, to model around everything that Jesus is doing, but I still make really dumb decisions sometimes. I make mistakes, and I need grace just as desperately today as I did 10 years ago and five years before that. And so it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter where you're at in your faith journey. If you have been doing this, if this is your first day here or you've been doing this for 50 years, you're desperately in need of grace still today, desperately. So number one is ask God to show you how much you've been forgiven. And then number two is then forgive with that same measure. Forgive that much. Forgive that much. When people hurt you, when people come to you and, and people, members of your family or, or your friends, be an extension of the forgiveness that you've gotten from God. And love first, love first. 
Love first. I can't say this enough. And then the last thing is decrease so that Jesus can increase. Decrease so that Jesus can increase. So like, okay, that's not very practical, Zach. How do I do that? Well, let me give you a story. So the other day I was at the grocery store and I was checking out and this guy came up to me and said hi to me that I used to work with several years ago. And I've worked with a lot of people and this dude is legitimately the weirdest guy I've ever known. Just a weird dude. Like, God bless him, just a weird guy, right? And as, I'm, as I check out and I go get in the truck, I'm just driving home. I'm just kind of like driving and like smirking. Like, and I just think like, man, that is a weird dude. Like, I'm just, these are my thoughts, right? Like, man, that's just one of the weirdest guys I've ever known. Like, how, how he's so weird, I don't know. And in that moment, God told me, and I died for him the same way I died for you. I died for him the same way I died for you. I'm like, okay, fair enough. And the, again, there was another day that I was, I was mad and I was upset with somebody about something that they had said or done or I don't remember all the details of it, but I was driving down the road and I was thinking about it and I was mad. And Jesus told me, and I love them just as much as I love you. Just as much. Not almost as much, just as much as I love you. And so when we talk about decreasing and Jesus increasing in our life, it's, become, it's lining ourselves up to have the mind of Christ. It's lining ourselves up to think and invite him into our thought life and taking every thought captive and being, re, being renewed by the transforming of our mind. That's what it looks like. It's, it's inviting Jesus into every detail. And the thing is, is Jesus, we, we tend to reserve him for Sunday mornings, but he is way more effective when he's with you all day. But it's up to you to let him be with you. And so you guys go and put up your notes. You can put away your devices, put away your Bible. And I've got three groups of people that I just wanna pray for and I wanna address today. And so you can go and bow your head and close your eyes if you'd like. And the first group of people are those of you in this room that desperately need God's grace and you know it. You came in here maybe for the first time today. Maybe you've been coming for a short time and, and it, it, it's hard for you to even walk through the door because of the shame and the guilt that you felt and feeling like you don't have a place at the seat. You don't have a place at the table. Like, like that, there, that there's not room for you here. Like how could God love somebody like me? How could God use somebody like me? How could God redeem somebody like me? Well, friend, I'm here to tell you there is literally no better place for you to be than here right now. So if that's you, and if, and if you think, you know what, I am desperately in need of God's grace. Nobody's looking around, everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed. Can I just see your hands? Awesome, thank you for being honest. Thank you so much, hands all over the building. Wow. I wanna pray for you real quick. Lord, I thank you for my friends. I thank you that they came to the right place in the lowest times of their life. I thank you that no matter what the enemy tries to tell them about their situation and why they're not good enough or why they can't come into your presence, that you blow past all that and your grace extends so much greater, so much further than any lie that the enemy would tell us. Father, I pray right now that they would be filled with your spirit, that they would be encouraged, that they would be strengthened, that they would know that no matter what they walk through, no matter what decisions they make, good or bad, you are 
the safest place that they could ever come and that this church is an open door and they have a seat at this table. In Jesus' name. With all of our heads still bowed and our eyes closed, I wanna address the second group of people and that is those of us that whether we realize it or not, maybe we've been offended by grace. In our pursuit of living right and doing things by the book in the right way, we've forgotten where we come from. We've forgotten all the grace that God has extended to us and shown us. And maybe we've, we've won a couple battles, but we've lost the war with our family. Maybe we've won a couple battles, but we've lost the war with our friends and we've burned down friendships for the sake of being right and being holy. And with the best intentions, we've just gone about it the wrong way. So with all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if that's you and if you're being honest with yourself, can I just see your hand? Anybody here that's, that's, that's done that, that's played that role, it's okay, it's okay. I have too, it's okay. Thank you for being honest. I just wanna pray for you, I wanna bless you. Jesus, I thank you that you died for every single one of us, that you have extended grace to every single one of us. And I just pray that as we leave this place, we would have a new lens a new perspective to look through, through the eyes of love and through the fact that you always, always loved first. Father, I we're not condoning these people's actions. We're not condoning the bad decisions of our family and our friends. But Father, I pray that we would lead with grace, that the same way that you were able to change lives because of your grace, we would just be a mouthpiece that would extend the same grace and that you, we would give you a chance to move before we blow it up that we would give you a chance and give the Holy Spirit a chance to speak in their lives. Thank you, Lord. Now, with all of our heads still bowed and eyes still closed, there's one more group of people I wanna address in the room or maybe online. And that's those of you that you'd say, you know what, Pastor Zach, this, is, this has been a good message, but if I'm being really honest, I just don't have a relationship with Jesus. Like, I don't know him. I, I've never heard his voice. I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to worship. Like I just feel out of place and I don't know what to do, but I wanna learn. Like I want to know Jesus. I wanna have an intimate relationship with him. Well, my friend, if that is you, I just wanna encourage you that you're in the right place. You're in the right place. I was the same way. I didn't know what to do next, but somebody loved me and cared about me enough to just lead me in a prayer. And this prayer is nothing more than just an introduction to who Jesus is. But so what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna say a prayer and I'm gonna pause at the, at, at the end of each sentence. I'm gonna give you a chance to repeat it after me. So you can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. It doesn't matter. But just say this prayer with me, friend. It goes like this. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you came and you died and you rose again so that I could have life and freedom and forgiveness of all my sin. Jesus, I give you my past, I give you my present, and I give you my future. I repent of all my sin. Lead me from this day forward, in Jesus' name. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, if that was you, if you just said that prayer, can I see your hand? Anybody in this place? I see you. Awesome, well, if you prayed that prayer, I wanna encourage you to take one more step. And so, I want you to pull out your phone, 
and I want you to text, I prayed, all one word, to 844-HRC-TEXT, because I believe that the worst thing that I could do is lead you to this point and then leave you, leave you there. Because what we wanna do is we wanna equip you and, and, and help you on your journey to knowing Jesus more. And so the second thing I wanna do is just, I just wanna just encourage you, that is literally the biggest decision that you've ever made in your whole life. Like choosing to follow Jesus is more important than who you'll marry. It's more important than what house you'll buy. It's more important than what job you'll take. It is the greatest decision that you could ever make. And so I just wanna encourage you and I wanna thank you for having the boldness to take that step. And so High Ridge Church, you guys look up at me. So far we've had four people respond to the gospel today. And so we're excited about that. And so...